Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host, and I'll be using my gift of spirit communication. Spread your knowledge of the afterlife to all that are willing to open their minds and listen. And I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. This week, we're going to investigate evil energies. Our guest will be the famous exorcist, the Reverend Sean Whittington, a good friend of ours. Our goal in this show is to bring you as much information about what happens after death and in the spirit world as possible. If you missed our show last week, we channeled the archangels Michael, Raphael, and Azrael. All of our shows are available on the Voice America Variety channel. Just search Spirit Speak, Analyzing the Afterlife. We also have them up on our YouTube channel. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Our email is exploringtheafterlife2023 at gmail.com. Please send your suggestions or comments to that address. Next week, we'll be exploring ghosts. Our intent is to channel our guides and ask them questions about what we refer to as ghosts. Maybe even channel one and listen to one of the best ghost box responses ever and tell some of our actual ghost experiences. So please call in and tell us about your best ghost experience. Okay, now we currently have a YouTube channel. It's in my name, Barry Strome. We have almost 370 videos up. It's all free. Go in and check it out. When we first started channeling, the guides told us a prayer of protection. Because when you open the channel to the other side, it's always possible for an evil energy to come through. So since our topic today is evil energies, we're going to have Connie say the prayer. And just in case an unwanted visitor attempts to make an appearance. God, please grant us your wisdom and protection. Grant us the knowledge that we can handle and keep us safe from all things that will harm us. Keep the messages positive and pure love. Keep us safe from our egos. We ask these things in the light of the seen, the unseen, and the honesty of God. Amen. Okay, Connie. Uh, I'd like to spend as much time as possible with our guests on this show. So, here is the Reverend Sean Whittington. Sean, how are you today? My two favorite paranormal lovebirds on the planet. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm so happy to be here, and uh, I was excited. I've been up all night working, and I was so excited to be here this morning. And it couldn't happen to two nicer people. I, I've always loved your show. You know I love you guys, and I appreciate you inviting me on. Connie commented that I was a famous exorcist, and I was thinking to myself, <laughs> does, does she have the right, is she talking about the right guest today? Um I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination, but Connie, you know I love you, and I, I appreciate the, the compliment, so thank you very much. You're very welcome, Sean. I believe you are famous. So anyway, Sean, what is an exorcist? Are you ready for an answer you're probably not ready for? Uh, I've been married to Connie for 58 years. Go for it. <laughs> if you can surprise me, far if you. If you are Catholic or you are Christian and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, truly accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and your faith is strong, you are an exorcist. Even if you haven't been ordained an exorcist, 
you're an exorcist and you are a lot of people I try to get this that reach out to me for help. I try to get them to realize that they are truly the ones that have the power to get whatever it is that's menacing them and attaching to them and trying to, in some cases, murder them or murder people close to them. They truly are the ones, if their faith is strong enough, to exercise demons and get these things to move on. And I don't have any magic powers. I can't walk in and wave a magic wand and get these things to move on. But um, what I what I like to think of myself as is somebody that, um, like a big brother, you know, I'm going to put my arm around you and I'm going to help you draw your line in the sand. I'm going to help you make your stand and help you circle the wagons and help you put up a good fight against what I like to refer to as uh, they're just spiritual gangsters, you know, and um, just big bullies and um, and much, much worse than that. I'm being kind, but um, we all are. If, if, if you're truly have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you've got the power to exercise demons. It's just some people don't don't go out and say that I'm, you know, that's my goal in life is to be an exorcist. Uh, most people shy away from that. What are these bullies you're talking about? Are these demons or anything in my humble opinion, of course, malevolent, anything malevolent. I, I consider a, a spiritual demon, um, a spiritual vampire. They like to attach to you. They like to suck your life force, suck your energy out of you. They like to, uh, wreak havoc in your life, turn it upside down, break you down. Um, I believe they travel in packs. So in this pack, each one has a different um, way that they're going to attack you psychically and physically and emotionally and the people around you too. And then eventually it's just a... Um, uh, they tear you down over time, and the inf the infestation becomes severe oppression, and then God forbid the oppression. Many times, if it's left unattended and people don't fight back, turns into possession, and they're a demon. Yes, I keep it simple. I consider them fallen angels. There's a lot of people in in my field. A lot of clergy that have many different names for them and 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 think of them as being different types of things but to me when i hear the word demon i'm thinking of fallen angel someone that fought side by side in satan's legion against god to try and take heaven over lost that battle and was casted down into hell with satan and the rest of their cohorts you have chosen a rather bizarre occupation by any, by any standards. What what in the world would ever make you want to become an exorcist? I mean, I, I've, I, deal, I deal with spirits all the time. I deal with, you know, we started this with the paranormal. And I can assure you the last thing that I would want to be is an exorcist. So, I will tell you this. I was literally drug into this field kicking and screaming i kid you not i am just like you barry i grew up seeing spirit at a very young age scared me to death i've all you know up to a certain point in time uh i was 
very frightened by it. The only person I could confide in was my mother, who was very supportive over it. She told me what ghosts were. She told me, uh, didn't really tell me what demons were, but she knew that I also saw, in addition to seeing spirit, I saw darker, more malevolent entities. And so basically she told me those are the ones, not to fear the ghosts, but to fear the darker, more malevolent ones. And um, it just snowballed from there. I developed this odd passion for being a ghost hunter or a ghostbuster, if you will, and um, hid that from friends for many, many years growing up because I didn't want people thinking I was weirder than they already thought I was. But I had never ran into anything really malevolent or demonic. Um, a lot, a lot of years went by, and it wasn't until I met Sharon, my wife, uh, we fell in love, got married a little over 20 years ago. When we met, she was a sensitive intuitive and a Stephen minister in the Lutheran faith. She also had a passion for the paranormal, so we started our team. And we started just ghostbusting, going to allegedly haunted locations around the country, investigating. Um, and then every once in a while, we would get a phone call from a friend or a friend of a friend needing some help with some paranormal issues. And then we became, we put on our Ghostbusters hats. We'd go and we'd try to help people with their issues. But it wasn't until we worked a very, you know, I didn't really have any experience dealing with the demonic. And it wasn't until her and I worked a very ugly case where the demonic was present and I didn't recognize it and we did some things that we shouldn't have done and we un unbeknownst to us unknowingly invited this thing to attach to us and we brought it home and it was our eight-week battle I want to say at least trying to get this thing out of our out of our home that caused me to go out into the paranormal community and ask for help and for for once the paranormal community came through for me and introduced me to my then mentor who since has retired but she took me under her wing she was an exorcist she took me under her wing taught me how to get this thing out of our lives and out of our home and then she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and said, I think you have a gift and I think you should get some training in how to do deliverance ministry. And um, the rest is history. But now looking back, I realize that I was actually, when I, I look at my father's life, my mother's life, especially right after they got married, but before I was conceived, I realize now, looking back, that I was created to do this. And it was a calling all along that I didn't know about until I was actually confronted by it and literally drug into it, kicking and screaming. But it came at a terrible cost. Um, that first case we worked that was very, very ugly, <clears throat> excuse me, this thing really attacked Sharon. And she's lucky to still be here with us. The attack left her with very, three very rare forms of cancer. Now, she's a little older than me, but the healthiest person on the planet doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, no history of cancer in her family. But this insidious attack um, just, it almost killed her. In fact, it, she wouldn't be here if it wasn't for extreme divine intervention. But she uh, ended up coming down with three very rare forms of cancer, and we fought that for 
for many, many years. And um, finally, I'm, I'm happy to say that she's still here with us. And um, the last uh, set of uh, MRIs and tests and so forth that we've done show no no remnants of the disease left in her. And so um, I'm grateful to God for that. And like I said, if it wasn't for extreme divine intervention, she she wasn't expected to survive that. So I guess what I want to tell people is this is a very popular field, ghost hunting, ghost busting, paranormal investigating. Uh, every time you turn on the TV or every time you get on Facebook or YouTube, there's somebody that's claiming to be a demonologist. And and they're not. I can I can tell right off the bat when I see somebody who claims to be one if they are the real deal or not. And this is very very dangerous. This isn't a Hollywood movie that we're all acting in. This is these things are very real. And the difference between a haunt and a demonic case is that the demonic is out to kill you or kill those around you. And so it's very very serious thing. And I just want people to know to be careful. Have fun. Jump into this field. Um, you know, it, it's an, a paranormal investigating is a great field. But I tell people all the time that come to me that want to take my course and learn how to be an exorcist. I tell them I, I can't teach you how to be one. It's a calling. I can teach you how to um, teach you about um you know, deliverance ministry and spiritual warfare um, and teach you how to fight back and help friends of yours fight back if they're ever targeted. But I can't teach you how to be an exorcist. That's a uh, that's a calling. Sean, how does a person know that they're being possessed by a demon? What Usually they're the last person that knows. I right up. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. I um have people reach out to me all the time. I'm possessed. And right when they say that to me, I know that they're not. They may be um, experiencing infestation and they may be having attachment and they may be going through a severe case of demonic oppression. But if they're telling me they're possessed, I already know that they're not. Having said that, in addition to myself talking to a psychiatrist and a psychologist probably on a monthly basis, because the last thing you need coming to your home if you're being targeted by the demonic is a crazy exorcist. You don't want that. So to make sure I'm not going crazy, um, I, I do speak to a psychiatrist and a psychologist on a regular basis. I one of the first questions I ask people when they reach out to me, have you or anybody in your family ever been legally and clinically diagnosed with a mental illness under the care of a physician and on medication? Most of the time I'm fibbed to, but if they're honest with me, then, you know, it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking to have to do this, but you have to, for legality reasons, you have to back off and let the experts handle it. I have, in my years of doing this, many times I've had to cut people loose that I knew were either possessed or if they didn't receive spiritual help, ASAP would probably end up possessed. But because they were also clinically diagnosed with a mental illness and under the care of a physician, I had to cut them loose. And that was just heartbreaking. Um, 
but but you got to do it or you get it you can find yourself in real serious legal troubles i i have to repeat you have picked one very strange occupation <laughs> you know honest to god it it picked me it really did um here i am fighting for my wife's life you know she um ended up with like practically overnight her her whole tongue became a giant squamous cell carcinoma tumor um that spread and became medullary thyroid cancer the medullary thyroid cancer became another rare form of throat cancer then that throat cancer spread to lymph nodes all through her neck for a year she couldn't talk there were months where she couldn't even swallow water i remember my sister sent me a bottle of holy water from lords and that was the only thing that i could pour into her mouth that would go down her throat was this holy water and um she had a feeding tube in for over a year she went from like 140 pounds when she was first diagnosed down to about 90 and they even had to put her in the isolation ward in the hospital for a while because they were they were afraid she wasn't going to make it through the, through that weight loss and going through the chemo and the radiation and all that yes the doctors all the the chemotherapy doctors and the uh radiologists and um, the oncologist team and all of that, yes, they did save her life. But I was told in the very beginning she wasn't going to survive this. It was just too much. Mm. So for her to still be here is like divine intervention. I woke up one night, and I'm watching her. I took like a year off of doing any type of paranormal investigations because I figured I was in the last year of her life. So I'm her home hospital caregiver and i'm one night it was really really bad and i'm looking at her in bed and i i, Sean, I just yes sir you know let me just break in a second here we need to take a small break and sure. we'll back we'll let you finish your story sure okay so we'll be back in two minutes uh thank you so much for listening and sean thank you so much for being with us connie and barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. 
Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And thank you for listening once again. Sean, i sorry to interrupt, but... Well, that's that's okay, Barry. <laughs> well, here it is one night, and I, I, I really am looking at my wife laying in bed, and it's it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I, I, I'm honestly, I'm positive that she's not going to survive till morning. And I'll try to get through all of these stories uh, without getting too emotional, because you know how I am. But I, I'm just convinced she's not going to make it. And I remembered something my mother had done many, many years before, and I'll touch base on that in a second. But what I decided to do, I had two Mastiffs at the time, and they were both in bed with her. I knew she was safe, but I knew I had to do something. So I left the house, and I drove around the corner to this all-night prayer chapel that I knew was open. And I went in there, and I crawled on my hands and knees from the front door of this chapel all the way to the altar, threw myself on the altar, and I, I begged for... God to spare Sharon's life. And um, I end up com- get, coming back home. It's it's dead quiet in here. She's still sound asleep. The dogs are sound asleep. I don't think anybody even knew I'd left. And my phone starts ringing, 3 o'clock in the morning. I pick it up. It's I, you know, I got two older sisters and a younger brother. My parents had passed on by that time, but I thought somebody needs my help. I pick up the phone and it's a friend of mine that I'd known all my life. I hadn't seen him in a few years, but we grew up together. I knew him all my life. He was an atheist. His name was Russ. And he had moved back east to to New York and he was on his deathbed of uh, dying from advanced colon cancer. And he called me up and he said, I just wanted you to know that I just saw God And God told me to call you and tell you that Sharon was going to live and that you needed to continue doing uh, what you have been doing and fight those responsible for what is happening to Sharon. And because I I had quit, I quit my course. I was at the time being trained to become an ordained exorcist. I had quit my course. I had walked away from the field to help my wife, and I didn't have any intentions on going back. But that uh, changed my life, that phone call. And then, of course, my friend um, passed away a few hours later. But my wife's condition completely turned around at that at that moment. And uh, like I said, a few years later, she's still here with us, and uh, she's eating fine, talking fine. There's no signs of the uh, disease anywhere. So I knew I had to, you know, God was telling me, you know, you got to get back up on the horse and continue to do this. So I got back into my training, went on to become ordained. Um, And it's a good thing. I mean, this, this is all his plan because the very next case I worked was a very ugly exorcism case where I actually saw the vision of the Holy Spirit. 
And the very next case after that was an even uglier uh, possession case where I had a vision of Christ on Calvary right in the middle of this exorcism when I thought things were probably going to take a real bad turn for the worst. Uh, I had that. But I can already sense there's people out there in your audience remembering that I said I was created to do this. And real quick, I'll tell you the story about my father, who was a 25-year retired Master Chief Radioman in the Navy, part of the greatest generation. He served in World War II, Korea, Purple Heart recipient, uh, finished his career out in naval intelligence. Um, he was, you know, a God-fearing man, but wasn't Catholic, born and raised in Oklahoma, uh, during the Depression era, before it was even Oklahoma, is called Indian Territory. So here he is. He meets my mother after World War II in Brazil. She was Brazilian. May they both rest in peace. But he's down there working for the ambassador to Brazil, meets my mother at some party. They fall in love. They get married. They, my two older sisters are, are born down there. Then they move to the States. Well, he goes back out to sea to do something. Somehow he contracts um, spinal meningitis, cephalitis, a number of other things uh, that he contracted at the time. There was no cure for these things then. He came back and he was uh, out of his mind, so much so they had to strap him to a hospital bed, and he didn't. They didn't expect him to live till the morning. But he is in a coma. My mother remembers him telling a story when he was. Uh, floating out at sea all night long after his ship being sunk by the Japanese during World War II, and a ship came back to rescue him, and he was too weak to get aboard this ship, and it started to take off, and he heard a voice say, there's one more over the side, and he recalled a large, muscular sailor jumping over, hanging onto the ship with one arm, and with the other arm grabbing him by the scruff of the neck, and throwing him onto the ship, and he passed out for about 48 hours when he woke up, he searched that ship to find who this sailor was that saved him. Not only could he not find this sailor, but nobody on the ship could remember that incident even happening. So he was convinced his whole life that that was a guardian angel. So that was his turning into Catholicism and starting to be getting, become a very religious person in, in addition to being a great um, naval officer. So here he goes. He's dying on his deathbed, and my mother is on the way to the hospital. She stops at the hospital on base, goes in there, crawls on her hands and knees all the way from the front door all the way to the altar, throws herself in the mercy of the court, if you will, begs God to spare my father's life, promises him, makes a deal with God, <laughs> and you channel God enough, Barry, you know that this, you know, you don't advise to try to make a deal with God, but she did. She said, if you save um, my husband's life, spare him, I will, till I'm too old to do it any longer, whenever I go to church, I'll do it on my hands and knees, and I'll have another child. At this time, she wasn't supposed to have any more children, because my second oldest sister, that birth was so difficult on them they figured another pregnancy she probably wouldn't survive and the child probably wouldn't survive but she promised god if you do this for me i will do that she gets to the hospital she falls asleep at his bedside she wakes up that morning and my dad's wide awake 
asking her, why am I strapped to this hospital bed? She yells for the doctors. They come in. They run all these tests on him. They found no signs of any of the disease left in him whatsoever. So she kept her word of the bar, uh, word of her bargain, you know, until she was too old to, and too fragile to do it any longer. Whenever she went to church, she did it on her hands and knees, crawled all the way to her from the front door to her pew, from her pew up to the altar for communion, all the way back to her pew, crawled all the way back to the exit door, got her holy water from the font, and out the door she crawled. And she went ahead and had another child. Ta-da! Yours truly. I knew how that story was going to end. <laughs> <laughs> so I look back on that now, and I realize everything I'm going through now, I was created to do this, and God put me on this path. Um, but I do wake up every morning, and I pray every day that I never have to assist on or take authority over another exorcism again, because it's a very scary, very ugly thing to witness. And uh, like I said, you're uh, if you take an authority over one or you take the vows to assist an exorcist on an exorcism, you're now responsible for that person's life. And the demon is trying to kill that person. If it's a full-blown possession, if you fail, then you have that person's, um, their, their, their blood is on your hands, so to speak. And I know that's tough talk, yeah. but that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah, there seems to be a rise in exorcisms in this world today. Why do you think that is? Isn't, isn't that crazy? And I'll tell you right now, isn't the world ugly right now? Um, it's, it's just, it's really sad to think about uh, how ugly the world is right now. It's like this hedge of protection that we had around us has just been chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And the veil's probably as thin as I've, you know, I'm very psychically sensitive as you two are. The the veil right now between the two realms is about as thin as I've ever felt it. And so we're just infested right now with evil. And I'll try to keep it simple. In my humble opinion, I believe the, it's, the exorcisms are, are on a rise right now, and evil is running so rapid right now because the world has lost its faith. You don't, You have so many people that either were not raised with a religious belief system in place, so they don't have any faith, or they had faith and something happened in their life and they lost it, and they haven't gone back to try to regain it. The world is just has, there's just so many people right now, more people that don't have any faith than there are people with true faith. And um, that's why it seems that we're under this massive spiritual dark cloud right now, but we're going to come out of it. Well, I hope so. That's we're, we're not in end times. I get asked that all the time. No, we're not in end times. We're in a we're in a rough battle right now, and so that's why I tell people to be very careful. You you two know, um, uh, the messages that the, the beautiful messages from the Holy Family that you give all the time that you channel. You two know what we're up against and and what's going on right now. And it's just um, it's just it's just tough times. Tough times right now. We're in a we're in a bad we're in about as bad a battle as I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, can't argue with you. Uh, we, I mean, we talk to a lot of these spirits on on the other radio show that we do on channeling history. We had a really interesting show Sunday night. We had Leo Tolstoy and Tsar Nicholas on, and they 
basically we talked about Russia and what's taking place over in Ukraine and all the evil going over there and the problems Russia's had through the ages. Uh, it is, it's not an easy time. So what is the most frustrating or maybe dangerous exorcism you ever tried? Well, I, uh, I'm only human. God created me the way I am. So um, do I still get scared? Yes. Do I still see things that make me do this? Mm. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it's, so I think something happens to me when uh, I've had people that are close to me that have assisted me on exorcisms that have said, you know, you, you, you change, you're, you're a different person when you're uh, in battle. And so I just, uh, I've been blessed with the ability to channel the Holy spirit. Um, and it's all a matter, you, you know, this, it's all a matter of humility. When I go to these homes, um, it can be high noon here in Las Vegas, and when I drive up to a home that's demonically infested and there's somebody inside that's most likely possessed, the house looks to me like I'm looking at it through sunglasses, and I already know. But when I get up to the house and the client opens the door for me before I even walk in, of course, I'm already on my knees and I'm saying some special prayers. But I crawl on my hands and knees over the threshold to try to show ultimate humility because that's something demons can't uh do not have and they cannot and they hate so i show humility and when i go in there i've already had the family agree to me that they will go through a renewal of baptismal rites and i usually have a big uh basin with me and i fill it with holy water and i've had everybody sit on the couch and I wash their feet in holy water like Jesus did to the apostles. And um, usually, sometimes, no matter how bad things are in this place, that's enough. You can hear them just, uh, you can just hear them leave. You can feel them leave. But if they're not gone after that, then, uh, then the battle begins. And I don't, I don't think anyone has been worse than others. There have been some heartbreaking ones where after I thought, um, everything was good, that I was able to bring closure to a case and help deliver an individual. All of a sudden, these individuals will disappear on me, and it's like they are off the radar. I call friends of theirs. I call family of theirs. You know, like I'm thinking of this one case where this doctor, she was a doctor, had her own practice, her own office. She was possessed. Sharon and I were over there with a close friend of hers, and when I'm investigating the home, the, the demon manifested through her and she collapsed on the floor. She was a big woman too. We were able to get her up on a massage table and her friend and Sharon were holding her down and I'm performing the exorcism. Well, this cloud came up out of her, a bl just like a black cloud came right up out of her and it blasted through me and I lost my wind. It was like it knocked the air out of me and I see Sharon and her, this woman's friend looking behind me with this look on her face. Like, I hope I never see this look on Sharon's face again. But I turn around and I'm face to face with a solid three-dimensional, solid black human figure. I can't make out if it's a man or a woman, no features. And it just looks like a person was dipped in a vat of oil or tar and it's standing there in front of me.
And then it walks down the hallway, and I go and I chase it. I hear it go up a ladder into the attic, which I already had set up because I was researching up there, investigating. I crawl up the attic. I had a mask on and goggles. And when I get to the top of the attic, it's on all fours at the top of the ladder waiting for me, and it vomits all of this muck on me. And we refer to that as demonic venom. And you have to be very careful with that. Mostly it's something people dream about that's happening to them when they're being taken over. But it can physically happen when you come when you confront certain very powerful demons. And you can't ingest this stuff. If you ingest this, um, you are instantly possessed. Or you become violently ill and most of the time die from it. So luckily I had a mask on and some goggles because there was an old home. There was a lot of asbestos and other things up there in the attic. So luckily I had that on when this happened to me. But this woman, after we were done, she just disappeared. She closed her practice down, left the house with probably the her, she, beautiful home, lot, you know, fully furnished home, all her stuff's in there, just vanished without a trace. Uh, like I said, closed her practice down, probably left her home with just the clothes on her back and a, and a suitcase and just took off and left. Friends and colleagues don't know where she went. That's the heartbreaking part of that i'm you know um so that that's heartbreaking and scary all in one case there but that happens a lot it's heartbreaking to have to cut a lot of cases go because if people don't uh you know the famous line from the jerry Maguire movie help me help you if these if, if people that reach out to me for help don't help me help them it's almost virtually impossible for me to help them and so that's that's the heartbreaking, sad part of this field. Mm. Okay. Well, I, be... I, I asked for a tough one. You gave it. Uh, after that one, I think I got to take a break. So let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take another short break. And when we come back, we're going to open the phone lines. The number is 866-472-5788. This is your chance to speak with the real exorcist, folks. Uh, use those phone lines. We'll be right back. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Is death the end of the journey of the soul, or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? 
psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, welcome back. I, I hope you've enjoyed the story so far. I know they caught me a little off guard. So anyway, I see that we have a call from Mark. Hello, hello, Barry. Hello, Connie. Hello to your guest. I do have um, something I'd like to relate to your guest um, about something that happened to me, and if it's okay, and then get sure. his opinion about what he thinks it might have been. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right. Um, years ago, I was... Um, on a charity, on, on the board of directors of a charity, and I'd get interviewed once a year about the charity. And, and one year in the interview, I had mentioned, you know, as far as helping people and whatnot, that by helping someone else, you're helping yourself because we're all one. We're all connected. We're all connected back to God. Um, and so that was basically the thrust of the interview, that we're all one. And sure enough, I, I got the paper a few days later to see if they quoted me correctly, and they did. And I was kind of feeling good about myself. And then all of a sudden, these doors that I have off my kitchen that were Anderson doors and were like, actually went down into the floor. There was a lock, a bolt that actually bolted to the floor. In any case, it was bolted, it was shut and everything else. But a wind came, as I'm sitting there reading the paper and feeling good about myself, a wind came, strong wind, blew the doors open, which had never happened. And then almost instantaneously, I felt this overwhelming negative presence. It was, it was very difficult to even describe, but it, it really messed me up for like three days and three nights. And I had a friend who's a reverend out of New Mexico that kind of stayed with me for all, those, all that time, talking me through it, praying with me. And eventually I got better. But my question was of your guest, what does he think that might have been? Well, uh, Mark, that's, that's very scary. I've had many situations very similar to that happen to me, and it's the unknown uh, is is very fascinating, but also very frightening. And uh, I don't know what you did. Um, I'm sure you did nothing wrong, but many people that come to me that that are being targeted, I tell people all the time: be careful what you say, be careful what you do. It's like I hear uh, one of the one of the worst things I hear people say sometimes is. Um, They'll get in, a, not an argument, but they'll get in a conversation with me about why I am so strong in my faith and it, I'm wasting my time and there is no God. And they and they say, even if there was, you know, I've read the Bible and they'll say something like, I would rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. And right. you have to be careful what you say because you never know what's floating around that's going li- to hear you and take that and use that as what they refer to as an invitation. They're always looking for an invitation and permission to attach, to enter into your life. Um, do I think you were targeted for some reason? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't believe so, though. 
I think it might have been, uh, what were you doing at the time? Were you involved in ghost hunting or ghost busting? Are you psychically gifted or, or were you dabbling in the occult, attending seances or anything like that? No, no, it was nothing like that. No, nothing like that. Seances or nothing like that. But um, What did I your minister tell a... you that, w- that happened? What did he feel happened and why you, you sound like such a nice gentleman, why maybe something came to visit you, especially at this, at your home there like that? Well, yeah, that, it, that's a very good question. And, and Reverend Phil, I had known, I've known now 45 years or so. So at that point in time, we had known each other maybe, I don't know, 25, 30 years. Um, and he, he had been aware of, how can I say this? Um, prior in my life, I had been given some, some um, messages, so to speak, that um, my path in life, about my path in life and, and how um, I, I was to battle evil. I don't know how else to say it, but I had been given the, that kind of message, and Phil was aware of that, um, and he felt he was, we were connected and that whatever would happen as the years unfolded, he would be there with me. So he interpreted that happening. He thought that was all a part of my life's path, that getting that out there, that we're all one, was a very good thing. It was, it, was, it was given from the heart, and it was meant in a very good way. And that disturbed the negativity, the negative force, the evil force. I don't know what word you want to use. Um, and so that's why that happened, to try to scare me off of that concept. Do you mind me asking uh, what religious belief system you have in place personally? Now? Yes, uh, or, or when I was a child? Well, when this happened. When this happened, okay. Um, my, my personal belief is that um, we all come here for uh, life's lessons, um, that we have lessons to learn, uh, for our soul to grow, um, and that we basically have chosen the life that we're living. We've chosen our parents, our siblings. However, whatever we're going to end up doing, um, it's all part of a plan, so to speak. Um, I don't have a, 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 a religious affiliation, per se. Um, my belief system is all about what I've learned over the years. I started having precognitive dreams in my 20s, and, and that kind of made me wonder what the heck is going on, and I was trying to understand that, and so that kind of set me on a path. Um, I don't know if that answers your question or if that helps you or not. It, um, it does help me a lot. I think you're, I think you're, you're probably... A, psychically gifted and more so than you even realize and that made you a target uh and being a good person having a good soul um also made you a target most people like us in this field uh we have wanted posters of us hanging up in hell and there there are just so many of them I, i you know i think of a story of this a demon telling an exorcist once he yes Hey, we're this kind of short segment. We got another call. Uh, we got a couple of them waiting. So let's try to see what we can do with the next call. Okay. Thank you. Thank Mark. you, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. All right. Let's try to talk. Let's talk with Winifred from New York. Hello, hi, Winifred. Hey. Hi, Winifred. Hi. How well, are hi you? There. Nice to nice to hear you. Wonderful show. Hey, guys. Nice to be on, Barry. I have a question. I've been doing a lot of work lately with people that. Um, claim they've been MK Ultrad and the mind control and you being there in the Vegas area and all that. Do you run into that? Is there a differential between uh, what you're finding in the demon world and some of that? 
you know, it's what I do at times can be so overwhelming. I try to keep it simple because I can get easily distracted and, and, and led astray on paths that I shouldn't go down, rabbit holes I shouldn't go down. That's really, uh, that stuff is a little above my pay grade. Um, I know that if I try to comment on it, I probably wouldn't uh, say the correct thing, but I do get people all the time that reach out to me that say, I need help with something that's happening to me. I'm under psychic attack, um, but it's not demonic. And they do, they do believe, and isn't it odd that some of these people, many of them, have military background, and they've been involved in some top secret type of um affairs yeah. and goings ons. Um I do believe that there's something going on in that in that realm and under that umbrella of top secret um military warfare type stuff that deals with psychic attack. But I'm not too familiar with it. Um and I do believe some of it masks itself as demonic possession when in fact it's something entirely different but um but i do believe in that and i do get that a lot out here what what do you say is the most important way for anyone to protect themselves and especially our young people today i'm so afraid for the young people because um like i was telling barry earlier it seems like we have such a there, there's many generations below me and you sound like a very young woman, Winifred, but there's many generations below we me love that you. <laughs> <laughs> have no faith. We're, it's, like our, it's, it's like our world is faithless now, and that's why we're in so, spiritually in so much trouble right now. Um, I know we're going to come out of it. There's going to be a lot of casualties and some battles lost, but we already know who won the war. Um, but it's going to get, I think, a lot uglier before it gets better. Uh, my advice to people is just for me personally is just my faith and just just having some strong faith. Even if you don't believe in the God that I believe in, if you believe in something much more lower vibrational, like usually the demonic and extreme malevolence is very low vibrational and dark, If you have to believe in a much higher vibrational power of love and light above us that's watching over us just pray to that but you got to stay strong in your faith you got to try and be the very best version of yourself that you can be every day learn how to turn the other cheek learn how to forgive and just try to be a good person uh, try to be proud of yourself like what you see in the mirror um, when you meet people and then you're you leave and people think of you, try to try to act in a way that whenever anybody thinks of you who knows you, they always put, puts a smile on their face when they think of you. And if more people did that, and if we all did that, think about how, how much more wonderful the world would be. I'm, and I'm thinking of a, a young girl that well, I walked. Yeah. Well, I hate to break this to you. It's okay. But I want to give you two minutes to go here. And Winifred, thank you so much for your call. And we're thank running a little you. short of time. It's a great show, guys. Thank Thanks. you, Winifred. Okay, Sean, you got two minutes, and I'm watching the clock on you. <laughs> I told you, get me talking, and uh, you know we're going to need more than an hour. Um, there's not much to me, you know. I'm an open book. Uh, I got my show, Reverend Sean Whittington's Paranormal Ministry Live, uh, Mondays 
at 5 p.m. Pacific and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific. And that is a Facebook Live and YouTube event. Uh, and then the archives are already posted and people, if they can't watch it live, they can w go and watch the archives. Um, my website is www.ghost-b, as in boy, dash gone dot biz. Anything you want to know about my wife and I and our ministry work is all there at the website. My book, um, the course that I teach, um, uh, and a lot of other stuff. I'm also a certified spiritual advisor, so if anybody needs help of a spiritual nature, not paranormal, there's a place on the website where you can make an appointment with me. You can buy my book there. You can then sign up for my course there. Um, and I just recently entered the seminary. I know people are wondering, you were already an ordained minister and an ordained exorcist. You're 63. What would possess you... <laughs> bad bad word to go into the seminary um and that's too long of a story we'll have to do that when you bring me back and it's a project that i was working on and i met a bishop a catholic bishop who asked me if i wanted to enter his seminary and how could i not um but that's a story for a different time and that's that's me i'm approachable if anybody wants to send me a private message or an email or a text message or call me i'm easy to find and i'm approachable Okay. Thank Sean. you, Sean. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. God bless you both. I love you both. Okay. I love you, Thank Sean. you. God bless you. All right. Next week, we're going to be investigating ghosts. Uh, we're going to channel our spirit guides with questions about that type of energy. Uh, one evening, we, uh, we channeled a spirit that we knew had died 150 years early and had not even known it was dead. So we are going to try to talk to some spirits in the channel of the unknowing dead. I'm going to play an EVP, probably the best you'll ever hear, that we recorded one time. And please call in. We'd like to hear your true ghost stories. We are always interested in hearing from you out there. I'm sorry we didn't have more time today for calls. But I currently have nine books on Amazon. My latest book, Messages of God for Modern World, consists of 60 messages. It's a great daily devotional for anybody. I would especially like to thank all of you for joining us on the Voice America Variety Radio Network. Uh, if you'd like to see more of our channelings, we have over 370 videos on our YouTube channel. It's in my name, Barry Strom. We would hope that you're going to tell your friends about us. Uh, we would love to see you become regular listeners of the show. This is our third one. Uh, we thank you so much for for tuning in. All of the archives are available on the Voice America Variety Network. I'd especially like to thank Sean Whittington for joining us tonight. He has, as always, been very interesting. We could have had a three-hour show and it would have been no problem. Please tell your friends about us. Join us Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Radio Network. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time.